But I have a, a message for you today, all right? And the message that I have for you comes out of a concern. I believe it's a spirit-led concern, but it's a concern because there seems to be an attack upon the faith that you have within your heart right now. You may not realize it, but the devil is not happy. Can I say that? The devil is not happy that you have chosen to serve God Almighty. The devil is not happy, all right? He is a sore loser, but he is a defeated foe, and he is doing everything he can to try to distract you and detour you and derail you in your faith. And sadly enough, he is being successful in that in some cases. So what are we, the church, supposed to do? I suggest to you today that the Lord is reaching out his hand. He is reaching out his arms. Go ahead and show that first slide, if you would. And, and I have this, uh, this thought here. I just see him piercing through anything and everything of restriction and wanting to reach you. He's wanting to grab you. And the question that you have to answer is this. How real is he to you? How real is he to you? Because some people's reality has to do with perspective. Some people don't really realize that there are absolute truth. It's an, there's absolute truth. The existence of God for me is non-negotiable. But for some people, it's negotiable based upon what they have seen him do. Or what has happened in their lives. For some people, the existence of God is, is, has a comparison and a backdrop between, between what other world religions have to offer. And how they can get ahead. For many people today, they approach their faith like they're shopping for a car. And they walk up and they are looking over all of the different models. And they're considering all the different features. And they're considering whether or not what this particular model has is going to be of value to them for the longest period of time. But you and I know that when you're shopping for a car, no car lasts forever. And once that car loses its shine loses its ability to compare with some of the newer features that are out there, all of a sudden that car loses its value. And there, needs to, and, and, and there comes a point where people want to trade in. There's a trade-in that's going on. Sadly enough, in the kingdom, people are trying to trade in because they want the newest, greatest, latest features. I would suggest to you today that when you know how real he is to you, you know that you've got the latest and greatest all the time because he doesn't change. He's the same today and yesterday and forever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today. And I'm thankful that you've given us this opportunity to gather together to share the word of God to be able to be challenged by your word and God 
most importantly, to help us to be standing in the end. I thank you, Lord, that you have given to us one another to help spur one another on in this most holy faith. And it's part of the reasons for our gathering here together today that we would hear and see what you are doing, we would celebrate that, and we would inspire and encourage one another all the more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. Have your way in this place, I pray. We give you praise and glory for what you're going to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I see, is that, who's, who's sitting? Is that Christina over there? She's like, yes, it is. Christina Thorne, we love you. <laughs> what a surprise. I know her husband is just, in, and they've just started a new ministry at Stone Church uh, in Illinois. And uh, we, as far as uh, her friends and pastors, didn't get to officially say goodbye because uh, we were gone when they were leaving. And, and uh, we love you, Christina. Can you just show appreciation for a fellow minister in a community, ministered at Whitehall for 12-plus years? Fantastic. We love you guys. And so good to see uh, Damon and Nicole already over there, too. God bless you guys. The Sprague's visiting. And so good to see some of you who I've never met before. I see some familiar, uh, unfamiliar faces to me. And that's either it's your first time here or you're, you've been here when I was gone the last couple weeks. And, and uh, I'm just so grateful for uh, faithful staff. I'm Pastor Jim. Thank you for bringing the word. Pastor Joel. Amen. Great job, guys. Amen. And I come here today to tell you, like I said, to answer the question, how, God, how real is God to you? Now, some of you may or may not be aware of what's happening in the Christian culture, okay? Some of you maybe don't watch or read some of the Christian blurbs and the things that are happening. But, but there are things that's been happening in the Christian world that are affecting and is having a, a ripple effect all throughout the Christian faith as far as us in a nation and even the world. Some of those things that are happening are, are very high profile, and some of those things are not so high profile, all right? But I want to tell you something, and I want to give you the sad news because then I'm going to give you the, the good news, all right? The sad news is that people are falling away from the faith. i got to tell you that. People are falling away from their faith. They are, they are determining, as I said before a few moments ago, that they are trading in their faith for something new something that they consider more relevant. And I suggest to you the only way in which they could even consider doing that at all is if the real God who should be real to them is not so real to them anymore. They have got to the place to where they were willing to trade something in. You may, you may know this name or you may not, but there's an, an author by the name of Joshua Harris. Anybody hear of Joshua Harris before? And, I, and you may not even know of this. You may say, well, how does that affect me? I, I don't even know. He wrote a book back in the 90s called I Kiss Dating Goodbye. And, and, and in this book, he so, talks about how the American culture, the way of, of dating, he said, it, it was not beneficial in order to raise up Christian young people in this, uh, in this whole realm of, of relationships. And, and there was a better way. There's a biblical way to do that. And it's called courtship. And he, he was on that particular um, uh, emphasis there for a long time. And they sold a number of books. And, and there's a number of aspects about courtship that I really agree with. I think that, that the whole idea of courtship about becoming friends ought to be at the top of the priority. All right? I think a relationship with the parents and the families of those who are being married ought to be something that ought to be emphasized. 
and ought to help us, all right, to be able to grow. Well, he, he wrote this book. He became a pastor of a mega church, and, and then all of a sudden, over the course of the last number of months, all right, and, and he came public with it now. He, he decided that he and his wife are, are, have come to an irreconcilable differences, and, and they decided to divorce. Now, if you're a victim of divorce, I say a victim, all right, because whether you're wrong or whether you're right, it has consequences, divorce, right? There is ache, there is pain. Nobody comes to the altar one day planning that this thing won't last for a lifetime because they make a commitment. So you're a victim because things didn't go the way in which you planned. But there is restoration. There is wholeness. There is hope for you today. I'm not bashing him because of his divorce or anything like that. I, I realize some of that stuff happens it, with people. It doesn't mean that's what God wants. The Bible actually says that God hates divorce. He doesn't hate the divorcee. It means he just wants people to remain together forever. He's working it for, so that that will actually happen, all right? But inevitably, there are some people who have these issues and these things that are going on, and they decide to divorce. But Josh just goes a little bit further than that. You see, Josh goes on, and, and he says, I've come to a place where I'm going to read it to you. He says, um, he says, I have gone. I'm making this announcement about my, my marriage, but I've undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase, he says, for this is deconstruction. He's already considered that people losing or giving up on their faith, there's a, there's a popular phrase for it. It's called deconstruction. Well, on that particular aspect, I would, I would agree with him, right, <laughs> that there is a deconstruction that's going on, but it, it, it's not for our good. He says the biblical phrase is falling away. And he says, by all the measurements that I have for defining Christian, I am not a Christian. Many people will tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to remain open to this, but I'm not there now. This is what one of our former mega pastors in, in America has said, and an individual who's been an influencer of hundreds and even thousands of other people has now come to the conclusion that I am not there anymore. It saddens our heart, does it not? It doesn't sadden my heart. I mean, there's going to be moral failure that's going to happen in people's lives. How many of you know that, right? But there's forgiveness for those who realize the error of their way. There's a way in which you can come back to God and, and you can repent of your sins and, 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 and have relationship with him once again. There's another high-profile pro individual by the name of Marty Sampson. He was a, a former Hillsong songwriter and worship leader. And some of you, I, I mentioned the the... the, the the organization Hillsong said, well, yeah, I know that they're, 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 they're liberal. Anyway, listen, let me tell you something. When we, as far as the body of Christ, start bashing all these other types of faiths because they are doing something a little bit different than what we think they should be doing, we are not in a healthy spot. You see, one of the things the Bible says that, that, that is good for us and that will be good for us and that people will know that we are Christians is how we demonstrate love and respect to others who differ from us. Amen? Now, I can differ with somebody without ever hating them. I could tell somebody that they're wrong or look them straight in the eyes and still come up and put my arm around them, all right? There are things that people are going to do that you are not going to agree with, but it should never get in the way of you loving them. Love is an unconditional thing. It's something that God did for you when you were still a sinner. While you were an enemy of the cross, he came to you. He pulled you out of the miry clay, and he put your feet upon a firm rock, right? 
Let's go in another direction. But I want to tell you something. God is in, in, in the business of bringing people, amen, who, who may not agree with him about some things into right standing. He puts and puts us, he calls it righteousness and declares us to be righteous. Well, Marty Sampson, believe it or not, he, he also came to a place. And, and I, I share this with you because in the Christian world, or if you're, you're following that in Christianity Today or any of those magazines or Charisma or those types of things, these things are being reported. And if you're reading these things, I want you to understand that this is Bible, that there will be a falling away in the last days, that people will lose out on their faith. But once again, the reason I think they're losing out on their faith or they're denying their faith, they're denying the existence of God is because of of what they have been receiving and the lack of reality of God in their life. You might not ever think you could ever get to the point where God will quit being real to you. And if you do that, the Bible says, watch out, lest you would fall. It says, when restoring those who have fallen, we need to gently restore them and make sure that we don't fall in the same ways. Marty Sampson uh, has written a number of songs, even songs that we still sing here today. Some people think that we shouldn't maybe even sing those songs again because now he's of a different mindset and things like that. It it doesn't change the truth, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Of, of, of what we find in those particular songs. And, and uh, he, he says, he basically says, I'm going to wrap it up. He says, I've come to a place where I'm genuinely losing my faith and that Christianity is not for me. He says, I'm not in it anymore. He says, I, 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 I'm really fed up, he says, with the contradictions in the Bible and how science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. He says the evidence uh, supporting the idea that all living things are descended from a common ancestor is truly overwhelming. He goes on, he says, I I would not necessarily wish that to be so, so as a Bible-believing Christian, but it is so. It does not serve faith well to try and deny that. You see, what he is saying is he says, I have questions that have been proposed And I don't have answers for those things. And because I don't have answers for those things, and other people don't seem to answer for those things, then I must come to the conclusion that God does not exist. How many of you know this is pretty scary? You know that there is a place in Scripture that says His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. How many of you know that there's some things that God has not yet revealed? The mystery is revealed. The mystery is that how that we could come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but He's made that known to us now, all right? But I'm telling you, there's still some things that's in limitation that he's, that he's shown to us. Some people are having a hard time because they don't know why. God heals some but doesn't heal others. Some people are having a hard time because one person passes away and another person doesn't who's, who's been with this terminal sickness. How, some people are having a hard time why miracles happen but not many. No one's talking about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one's talking about it. How can God be loved and yet send a billion people to a place all because they don't believe? He says no one's talking about it. I'm not preaching Marty Sampson here, but I'm trying to tell you the message that is out there that is being getting into people's minds. And if you become influenced by people or you struggle with these same questions without answers and, and, and you allow for the enemy to ponder that or, or you to ponder that too long without pressing in to become and knowing the real God, yourself you could be in jeopardy of losing your faith 
You have to know why you believe. You have to know what it is that is, that is motivating you to be a follower of Christ. And for far too long, and in many cases, people serve him because of what he, well, can do for you. Of what he can do financially, of what he can do in the hope realm. We, we had an awesome message about, about, about hope and, and such, and, 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 and declaration. But, but what, 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 uh, what was saying today by, by Ali was, was that, that no matter the storm, no matter what's going on, I have hope. No matter what's going on, I will praise. There was a declaration that said, I will continue to believe in whom I believe in, right? For he is able, he is able to do things that nobody can do. I want to draw your, your attention to the scriptures. We find it in Matthew chapter 24. If you have your scriptures, you can turn to that. I, I didn't give those all to you on the screen today, but uh, I have some of them that I just kind of wanted to accent for you. And I want to read a passage of scripture. It's a, a little lengthy, but um, I think it's really important for you to hear it in its context. Matthew chapter 24, verse number 1. I'll wait for you to get there. Give you a little bit of backdrop about the things that are going on here. We we find where Jesus is uh, meeting with his disciples. He's talking about all the things that are to come. Uh, they're having a hard time processing some of this news, and, and they walk into a particular area in into Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, the the disciples begin to look at the buildings. Now, I, I like building things. I like uh, accomplishing things. I, I marvel at, at, at both engineering and, and architect and technology and all those types of things. So I get amazed at that. And, and the, the, the disciples are having a walk through Jerusalem. And verse number one, it says, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. <laughs> it's like... Have you not heard? He, he just got through correcting a bunch of people, the religious zealots and stuff who were doing things wrong, and, and, and he called them whitewashed sepulchers, and he, he called them a brood of vipers and all those types of things, and, and all of a sudden the disciples are walking out, and rather than talking about the conversation at hand, like, look at these buildings. Look at all those buildings. And, and Jesus, realizing, I think, their limitations, says, Goes, goes, kind of goes along with it. Do you see all these things, he asked? I tell you the truth, not one uh, stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. This that you look at and marvel over, I want you to know something. It's nothing. He says, for a moment's notice, it's going to be taken down. Still only limited in their understanding. So as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us. Tell us they're pleading with him. When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come on my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Church, see to it that you are not alarmed. Why don't I have to be alarmed? Because I know whom I serve and that he is able, right? Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now look at this. That's on the screen. At that time, many, say many, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Is that on the screen there for you? Yeah. Many will turn away. 
Doesn't that break your heart? We're not talking about people who never knew God. We're talking about people who are sitting in churches across America today who were in the faith will turn away from the faith. God forbid. How could it happen? And what does many represent? Is many two out of all the people that will be here today? Is many 25%, 40%, 50%, 70%, 51%? What is many? Many to me is more than one, right? That's too many. Then look at here, he goes on and he says, and, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most. Oh, now that that's goes beyond many. That be, that's now most. Most is more than half. Will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and the whole world is a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I want you to know something today. He wants you to know that he is real so that you won't be the many and you won't be the most. But there has to be a relationship that you have with him that goes beyond the surface. It has to go beyond just going through the motions, the religious ritual of the things that have happening because somebody else has told you what to do and, and maybe not even told you why you should do it. You see, you need to know that you know that you know that he is real. What does it mean to know him? In John chapter 14, he tells his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. And there you will be where I am. You know the way, the way to the place where I'm going. But guess what? Thomas says, I don't know. I don't know how to get there. How is this happening? And, 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 and then Jesus says this. He says, I am the, tr the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then the verse here on the screen says this. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. If you really knew me, you would know that you've seen the Father. There is way too much thoughts that's going through my mind than I can give to you today concerning the subject matter and the debate and the, the tug of war that happens between Calvinism and Arminianism and once saved, always saved and, and unconditional eternal security and, and, you know, all of those other types of ideas of things. But here's what I want to tell you. I believe that there are some people, I think the word of God shows us this, some people whom have said certain things because they were told that they should say certain things in order to be get saved, and they really didn't understand what they were doing. I was with one man, and we were out going door to door, and, and he thought that through trickery, I'll just say it the way it was, if he could get someone to say Jesus is Lord, that they were saved. There he goes, you said it, Jesus is Lord, you must be saved. Took the scripture totally out of context. No one can say Jesus is the Lord unless the Spirit of God works and says that through them. You know, how many of you know that that's not what that means? Just in case you didn't, I'm, I'm going to give you the truth today, all right? You see, there is a people out there who truly have come to understand who he is. 
not just to him, but to everybody in all of creation. And they're living for the Lord, and they're, de- they're determined to, to make a difference in other people's lives. But there are some people who have been deceived, and, and, and they've been told, all you've got to do. Now listen, I want to tell you something. There's really nothing about you've got to do, because you can't jump through any hoops. You, hoops. you can't be good enough in order to earn your salvation. Every bit of the salvation that you have is because you're not worthy, but he is. And he paid the price for your salvation. And what he asks you to do, your doing is believing. What you're believing will produce, will, will produce proof, which is faith. It is works. It is the things that start to be working through you. So you say, well, I already know this, Pastor. Well, if you really knew this and there wasn't any concern for some of you falling away, then, then, then I wouldn't have any reason to be up here telling you about this. But I find in the Word of God where it says many in the faith will fall away in the last days. Now, we may not be experiencing all of those particular other symptoms that, that he speaks about with the wars and the rumors of wars. Though we've, we've thought we were there at different times. We were thought we were right there at the edge of, okay, this could be happening. Earthquakes, aren't they happening in various places? Isn't there uh, climatic events and stuff like that that are happening? Well, well yeah, I, there is, but, but I don't know when all this is going to happen. But I do know the Word of God says that when it does start happening, most, because of the increase of wickedness, will choose to go the other way. And it's my job as your pastor to make sure that you're not the most. It's my job to help you to understand that until you understand how real he is to you, how much you actually know him, and why you know him, and why you choose to serve him, that you're at risk of falling away. I'm not trying to create a fear in you today. I'm trying to help you to understand that the enemy is after you. And sometimes people are just kind of going through their Christian faith and their Christian walk and thinking they feel bad if they miss a couple weeks of church. Let me tell you, coming to church don't make you a better Christian in and of by itself. It, it just it doesn't make you any more righteous. Now, if there's elements of it that can contribute to your growth because you do what the Word of God says, which is gathering together, all right? It, it, you, you sing praise, you do all the things, but, but, but it isn't in that action that makes you more desirable by God. You're as desirable as you could ever be by God to God. You can't do anything else. But he loves you, and he has a plan for you to work and do something to bring other people in this place to where they can also want to know him. (laughs) I have an issue over there, huh? All right. That's all right. Just go ahead and leave it down on the ground. That's fine. There we go. Jesus is basically not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid. People say, you know, and um, some parents um, have raised their children this way. I I personally have have said I don't think it's the best way to do things, to to just look at your kids and say, because I said so. How many of that worked for you? You didn't develop any attitude. You didn't develop any rebellion in you at all when someone said to you, because I said so, right? I believe that there's part of that that's right. There, I believe in, in first-time obedience. I believe there's a place to get. But guess what? You ought to be able to give a reason for the hope that's within you. 
You ought to be able to tell somebody, listen, I want to tell you why I have this hope. This is what Jesus has done. He is doing. This is what who he is, and this is how I'm going to continue to live for him all the days of my life. But here, some people have thought, some even families have thought, all i got to do is get my kids to church. If I get them to church, then they're automatically going to become Christians. We've had a whole, whole generations that have figured out after the fact that that hasn't worked. Because it starts in the home. The responsibility for you raising your children and you being the example. You see, we, we only got your kids for an hour and a half to, or may, maximum three hours a week, right? If we were even doing all of the types of programming that's available. If you had them here all the time. And you don't have them maybe as much as what the school system does. But your home life has to be strong. You have to reinforce all of the values, all of the virtues that we talk about, about what it means to be like Christ. And so when your kids have questions, when you run across somebody in the faith who have questions, we should not run the other way and say, well, that's just the way they've always told, always told us to believe it. We need to help people to come up with some of the questions or the answers to the questions that they have. Jesus is not afraid of questions, and the disciples are dropping some on him. And uh, Peter, he, he asked him, you know, at, at one time he, after Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to go. And before this verse, he's having this conversation with them in John chapter 13. And, and Simon Peter says, Lord, where are you going? When Jesus says, I'm, I'm going to go away. And he says, where I'm going, you will not be able to follow, but you will follow later. Oh, I will? <laughs> okay, what's that mean? And, and Jesus, and, and he goes on, and, and he, he actually had this conversation with him. At another point, he says, listen, he says, you think that you want to follow me? The fact of the matter is you'll deny me. How many of you think that, you, you know, you, you just automatically have the faith of Peter? How many of you think you might have the mouth of Peter? I mean, so, no, no, you don't have to raise your hands for that, right? You think... You have the, the arrogance and the, 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 the brashness and all those other types of things. And he says, never, never would I deny you. Before the cock crows three times, guess what? He does. I'm sure that there's some of you who are sitting here in this place today who would say, never would I ever, ever, ever deny Christ. But I'm telling you, the word of God warns us so that, guess what, we won't. He tries to get us ready so that you know why you believe what you believe. And you know what, I may not be able to give you all the answers to all of the questions that you have, but I can certainly show you the way by which you can come to know him. I could certainly tell you to, the, the scriptures to, in order for you to read so that you can, he can become real to you and you can get, have this relationship with him that no matter what happens in your life, that you're able to say, he is still real i still love him i still am dedicated to him for some people they don't realize it but they've got this i will worship god until this happens mentality and they get to the place but that would be too much i'm not sure what that is for you but you need to figure it out and you need to wipe it out you need to figure it out. You say, you know what? It doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter what happens to my loved ones. But you, you can't get to that place just because I tell you. 
Here's the thing. You can't do it. The only way you're going to do it is if you come to know him. And, and, and I'm just going to skip ahead here in, in a number of my uh, things here. I want to read a scripture to you. found Philippians chapter 3. Find that on the slides if you would. Verse 10 11 says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I underline two words in that particular passage, right? The part here says, I want to know Christ. That no is not an ordinary no. I want to know him, all right? We're going to talk about that in a moment. He, but he says, and I'm under here, I underlined, and somehow. You know what that says to me? I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to happen, but, but somehow, some way, Beyond my understanding, beyond my ability, beyond my ability to ascertain how he is going to do it, that somehow I will attain the resurrection from the dead as well. Come on. I want to know him, but I understand in knowing him that somehow I'm going to get to a place that I've never been before and even other people have told me about, but guess what? Somehow I'm going to get there too. That doesn't happen because you just believe what somebody else told you. Let's look at these levels of knowing. Next slide, if you would, please. The levels of knowing are this. Knowing facts, that's head knowledge, right? Lots of people know facts. Knowing the truth behind the facts takes you to a deeper head knowledge. Knowing the truth behind the facts personally is a heart knowledge. But knowing the truth behind the facts personally and intimately, that's the deepest heart knowledge, right? I'm going to give you a little bit of backdrop, a little bit of history, all right? Val and I have been married for over 31 years. We had our first grandchild. But all the things that I have experienced throughout the last 31 years, I could not quite ascertain everything that was going to happen. How many of you got a few surprises along the way? All right? But something happened on the way to, and we have kids in here, place, all right? So, but it's, it's, I'm not going to, I'm going to be cautious where I'm, I, but I went to first base I mean you know what I'm talking about in my knowledge I go to first base I I, I looked at her, at her I pondered her boy when she was skating in that skating rink I just like oh yeah I think she wants to skate with me and I was the foolish guy trying to be the acrobat and doing uh, cartwheels on roller skates. Come on now. Tell me I wasn't over my head or over head over heels, all right? Literally. It wasn't the first sighting, but it became the first type of interaction. And, you know, in that first interaction, it was the, it was the first, first base just to kind of get close. And second base, you know, we started to talk, and I got more knowledge of her. We began to share more, more intimate things about what our passion was for life, what it was that we felt like the Lord was going to lead us into, what we wanted to do for a lifetime. And, 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 and then as we came and went on to third base in this knowing, you know, thing, we really began to share about what it would take in order to, to see those goals and those things accomplished and, and I had to do certain things in order to prepare the way I had to had to get a job hello <laughs> should get a job before you get married all right 
Not everyone understands that, but anyway, you just, yeah, but you got to take care of some things, right? Take care of your household. Be responsible. So I, I got a job. I, I was playing, playing sports. I was, I was playing soccer. I was on a, a college team. I was the most valuable player as far as the defense in the previous year. And I was like, you know what? To get married or to play soccer? You know how I knew I was at third base is because marriage won. I'm not looking for a pat on the back. I'm just telling you the way I weighed it out. It was third base. And I'm so thankful that there was a third base coach that was waving me around and saying, come on home. Right? And come to know her and come to make the beautiful children that he gave to us. But I knew her at a level of intimacy that was beyond sexual, was beyond the physical. It was spiritual. It was emotional. It was something that I could not deny her existence and her value in my life no matter what happens. She's the mother of my children, the grandmother to my grandchild, Blaze. And I know her, and she knows me. And to deny her existence is absolute ludicrousy and foolishness and impossible for me to do when I come to know her in that manner and way. And yet some people claim to have known God and somehow can get to the place to where they deny his existence. You could put different things on the whole level and the definition list of, of what's going on. How do I come to know him? The disciples said this, Lord, show us the Father. Show us. Show us the Father, he says. They, they said, and, and it's so important for you to realize that, that Philip is the one who basically asked this. I'm skipping through some of them. And he had a desire. It's our desire to know God. How many of you want to know God? But Philip here is saying, I want, show us the Father. He's speaking on a particularly physical level. And there's a deficiency in that. There's a, there's a setup for failure in the sense of when he says, show us the Father. Show us the establishment of this kingdom. Show us the buildup of this. If you could tear these walls down, then you could certainly build them back up. Show us what you're going to do, and then we will believe. And Jesus points them all back and says, listen, you need to realize that when you've seen me and you've seen my interaction with the creation, you've seen the way in which people are persecuting me, you've seen the way in which they have come against me, and you've seen my response, you've heard my messages on the Sermon on the Mount about how in order to become strong, you have to become weak. You, you, you have to understand how important it is to serve people rather than to be served. This is seeing God, the Father. But too many of us have this litmus test or this hit list. And if God does this for me, then I certainly will know that he's real and I will never turn my back on him. And it's a deficiency. We come up with that. I want to draw your attention to Romans chapter 1, verse 22. He says this. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals 
and reptiles. Now, if I was to have you come up with a list of what you believe are your tempting idols today, it, the list would, would not be some a, a graven image. It wouldn't be a piece of wood that is carved. It wouldn't be a piece of gold that is carved or shaped or formed or melted into something. But there are images out there that we have formulated within our mind that will prove to us the very existence of God. That is kind of like, you know, it's, it's to show us. It's the physical stuff. It's like, God, when you do this, then I will know that you are real. I wonder what that is for you. I wonder what it is. Or has something happened as you search the scriptures, as you have sought him in prayer, as you have done the things that he has told you to do, that if you are a follower of me, you will love my commands, that you will obey my commands, that you will serve me, that you'll have a pastor, that you have come to this understanding that, that no matter whatever happens in your life, that you know that he exists and he is working all things together for your good. How does it happen? How do you get to that place that no matter what is ever going to happen in my life, no matter what the enemy tries to come in and do, I don't have an explanation for it about why some people get healed and other people don't. I don't have an explanation about it, why some people have more money than other people have as far as their money. I don't have an explanation about why people live in certain houses and other people don't have a house. But I do have an explanation for you that God is the same today as he was yesterday. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter who it is that you are on the social status of things. God looks at you. He values you. He sees you as precious in his sight. And he says, I am real to you if you will let me be real to you. But you need to draw near to me as and I will draw back to you. You need to seek me. You need to search for me. And you, my spirit will bear witness with your spirit when you are a child of God. And nobody, absolutely nobody will be able to deny my existence to you. I pray for Marty Sampson. He has since reneged and or not, he's taken back and the taken some of the edge off of it he says i've went back from renouncing my faith he says i haven't renounced my faith but i'm i'm searching for how many of you know that god loves marty god still is reaching out for marty and and there's theologians out there who having arguments about whether he was really saved or not saved and john piper bless his heart and soul you may have seen some of john's writings and enjoyed his preaching and stuff like that but he's trying to satisfy and get it all together about how you can be once saved always saved and how he's afraid to lose his his salvation but he's he doesn't believe in losing his salvation so he has a dilemma uh, is that confusing to you it is, right? Here's what I've come to, all right? I, it, the simplification of this is, is that you need to get to is that I believe that I was a wretched individual who was unable to do anything to save myself. And I look in the mirror, and I realize that God created me. And he looks at me and says, without me, you're way down here. <laughs> You guys ever see that before? You know, without me here, with me up here. 
Come on, some of you who are movie watchers, you know what I'm talking about. Without me, you're way down here. With me, you're way up here. You are only an overcomer. You are only victorious when you realize who he is and what he's done for you. And he desires to do something more through you than what you could ever realize. He's, he's wanting to wow you. He's wanting you to stand in awe of him. But you've got to seek him. You've got to spend time in his word. You've got to spend time in his presence through prayer. You, got, you cannot say you are a follower of Christ and you want to know him and only know surface stuff. You got to know him intimately. You got to know him spiritually. At a plane to when somebody comes against you and says, How ridiculous. How long are you going to put up with holding on to this faith that isn't doing for you what all these televangelists said it should do for you? Praise team, come if you will, please. How long? Are you going to put up with this? Are you going to hold on to this emotional crutch? I suggest to you today that you need to answer the question, how do we see God in Christ? And as a follower of Christ, what will you do in order to serve him all the days of your life? What have you done? What image have you made God in? What hoop have you determined in your mind? If he does this for me, then I will know that he is real. Because I suggest to you he's done everything he ever needs to do for you in dying on the cross. And he says, if you want to know God the Father, You've seen him, but you've seen the things that I've done. So as a follower of Christ, I'm making up my mind to do what he did. I don't understand it. Some people will say it's silly. Turn the other cheek. Someone slaps me. I'll turn it once, but he only said do it once, right? You're almost waiting to step into the flesh realm. I'm waiting to step out of the flesh realm. I'm waiting to go into a new level, a new plane. I'm waiting for God to take me to a place that, you know what, is completely unrealistic for this little mind of mine to, to contemplate. I want him to be able to operate and work through me and me be able to do things that I could no way ever ask or imagine. But you know when that happens? When I start to align myself with his life. When I start to say, Lord, I'm going to love others the way in which you love them and then he says okay he says you do realize that i was on the cross and i said father forgive them for they know not what they do we 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 love others that way we forgive others that way okay how about spending time with me he, he, he's, he made a regular practice of getting up and pulling himself away and getting away to spend time with the Father. I'm not even going to come up with a litmus test of what that looks like for you. But, but here's the thing. Are you doing it? Are you going and reflecting upon his goodness to you, how undeserving you are to receive this free gift of salvation he gives to you? And you stand back in awe and just like, oh, my goodness. Are you recalling how bad you've actually been at certain times and him looking at you and saying, 
That's all right, my son. That's all right, my daughter. Come on up here. Let me tell you how to make this right. Go say you're sorry. Go ask for forgiveness. Go tell someone you were wrong. When we start to do those types of things, that's, that's when the character of Christ will start to shine through us. That's when people will start to believe you're not the same. You're operating at a whole new level, a whole new plane. Are you, is Wally in there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Bow your heads with me, close your eyes. Father, we come to you today. We're thankful for your desire to do something in us that we cannot do by ourselves. God, we want to believe in you. We want to um, get rid of the deficiencies that make us think you've got to perform or you've got to do things a certain way before we will believe. We, we want to, God, move through the levels. We want of, of intimacy with you. We, want, we, we realize that the basics, we realize what you've done, we realize that we're saved, but God, it, it, it's not enough. I, I want to press into you. I want to press into you more so. And, and I'm asking you, Lord, by your spirit to show me the way. Some of you are praying this prayer with me right now. It's, you're identifying with it. You're saying, yeah, that, that's me. I don't know the way. Somehow, somehow, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to share with him in his sufferings so that eventually, somehow, I might experience his resurrection from the dead. Mm. I don't have all the answers. But your spirit will bear witness with my spirit that I'm a child of yours. And I never, ever want to turn my back on you. For some of you here today, that prayer that I was just praying, you identified with. But, but you didn't before today. You're, you're just like, you know what, Pastor? I, I, I need to go to the next level. I, I need for him to do something in me that, that is seemingly impossible. I am weak in my faith. I, I even feel like if something happened, that, that I might fall away. If a certain condition happened in my life, I might ponder his existence and the reality of his existence, and, and, and I'm scared. I'm scared. Is there, is there anybody here today that's you? Would you lift up your hand and say, that's been me either, either before today or right now. I, I, I need him to come in. Come on. Yes. Who's going to be real today and say, that, that's me? I see that. Yes. 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 People being real today. You can put your hand down. If, if this happens, I mean, I, I, I'm in jeopardy. I'm in jeopardy of, of, of not knowing him. And, and I, my, my, my instructions to you today is press into him. The, I want to talk with you. I want to help you to be able to grow. I want to make you a true follower and disciple of Christ, all right, and give to you some of the means that will help to build you up and edify you and, and, and make you more sure of your relationship with him. But there's others within the body of Christ that want to help you to do that as well. So, Father, right now you saw those hands. You saw those individuals. Now, as a congregation, we pray this prayer. All of us together, repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, we are in constant need of your presence. We ask that you would reveal yourself to us at a whole new level than we've ever known you before. I commit to seek you to know you, to follow you, and to come after you with everything I've got. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.